You know, in life, we have amazing opportunities. In fact, we have a privilege to partner with God and do some absolutely incredible things. Many of the things that he inspires us to do are well beyond anything we can imagine for ourselves. We truly have an OMG moment when we begin to step into the things that God wants to do through us. And when I think about my journey to getting to today, I think about how I trusted him, how I followed him, and how he has continued to illuminate his goodness through me. It is my honor and my privilege to welcome you to this OMG episode, episode 100 of Embrace Your Power. Now let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live, and welcome to embrace your power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor here and you know I am over the top excited to welcome you to Embrace Your Power today. Today is officially episode 100. Now, if you watch television, if you tune into any shows, you know that when they reach episode 100, it's a really big deal. And I want you to know I feel all of the feels today. I feel over the moon excited. I feel extremely accomplished to reach this milestone. You need to know in April of 2021, I set out and began this podcast and I have been showing up consistently for 100 weeks, no breaks, no delays, 100 weeks of new podcast episodes being released for you. Now I have to say one of the things I'm most proud of is those of you who have subscribed, those of you who listen regularly, you are my reason why. You know, when you grab the mic and you lean in to telling stories and lifting voices, it is so encouraging when you know it's resonating with someone somewhere in the world. And that is a very true statement because this podcast platform is listened to in over 40 countries. That still blows me away. You know that my mission is to encourage you to build a life that you love. This is the place where you can count on me 
to champion that with you. I believe that God has given us power to do it. I believe that when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. And I will say, I believe you'll be divinely inspired to go after the things that God wants to partner with you to do. And what's amazing to me is that mission and that message is resonating worldwide. I consider it an honor to be connected with you each and every week. And when I think about the last 100 weeks of doing that, I know that something good is happening here. And so I hope that if you haven't already, that you would do the honor today of rating this podcast. Giving me feedback with your rating and review will be such a great way to put a bow tie on today. So wherever you're listening, whether you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or you're listening on Spotify, I want you to do me the honors of giving me a five-star review for hitting this incredible milestone, 100 episodes strong. Now, as I was thinking about today, all I could think about was OMG. OMG, my journey has been peppered with an OMG experience. And in some cases, OMG stands for, oh my goodness, or oh my God. But in my case, I want to tell you how OMG came to light in this journey. The O stands for optimism. I had to absolutely remain positive in this journey, remain focused on delivering the best that I could. And I will tell you, I have improved in so many ways. I have become more confident in my voice. I have become more consistent in my message. And it all came from me remaining hopeful and optimistic. The M stands for momentum. I encourage us all the time to look for our wins. Our wins are indication of momentum happening. Momentum signals progress. And that means we are after our goals. We are consistently showing up when we see marks of momentum. And I have been able to recognize that on the journey all throughout. And then finally, the G stands for grateful. I am grateful for the listeners. I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for all those who support me in this journey. If you've liked a post, if you've shared an episode, if you've been a guest or you just listen every week, I am grateful for you. And as I was thinking about today, I wanted to do a couple of things with intention. You see, there's one person that has been with me from day one. You know, we talk about our day ones all the time, but I've got one person who has been with me from day one on this podcast journey. And I have to give a very special shout out to my partner, to my video editor, She delivers for me from all the way on the other side of the world. So to Lori, I say thank you. 
from the very first episode to the 100th episode, you have been in lockstep with me helping to bring this vision to pass. We came out of the gate with video and we have been making videos ever since. You have pressed through to deliver. You have been with me throughout each and every one of the things that we've added or we've changed up. And you have been so consistent in partnering with me. And I would be so remiss if I didn't acknowledge your consistent support and partnership. So thank you so much, Lori. The second persons that I want to acknowledge is my family. They often found me with the door closed and a sign on the door saying recording in progress. They often found me with me having blocks on my calendar when I had podcast episodes and guests to interview. They were very consistently patient with me. And I want to say thank you to them. And I want to just say this. My fondest memory of the podcast is when I launched it and I had the opportunity on many occasions to play some of the early episodes for my mom. She would say to me, where do you find these people? As she marveled at the great stories they would share. And so I want to dedicate this 100th episode to her. I'm sure she is looking down from heaven and she is still marveling at the incredible experience that is still taking place right here on Embrace Your Power. And then finally, I want to say thank you to my phenomenal guest today. When I think of OMG, I absolutely think of my mentor, Sean Strickland. She is a pastor. She is a coach. She is a strategist. She has so many different titles that she carries, but she holds a special place in my heart because she has encouraged me on my life journey. Having her be with me today is an extra special treat. She's a powerhouse and you guys are going to get to know her and love her just like me. Sean Strickland is a Jesus lover, wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, pastor, business strategist, coach, and activist. She's passionate about seeing people, especially women, step into their God-given identity and live out their God-given dreams. She uses her prophetic insight to help people grow, become, and make the soul shift to transform their mindsets so they can live and walk in freedom. She believes that if we think differently, we can live differently. And her no-nonsense, in-your-face approach creates the accountability needed for transformation. If you're willing to do the work, you will persevere with her leadership and guidance. She and her husband, Pastor Edwin, they are the pastors of the Fellowship of Champions Church in Northwest Arkansas. And so I have to tell you, 
I am so deeply honored that she said yes to my invitation for being my very special guest on the 100th episode of Embrace Your Power. And I can't wait for you to experience just how dope she is. I'll see you on the other side. All right, so I'm so excited to have Pastor Sean Strickland with me today. And as I pondered how to celebrate the 100th anniversary or episode, I should say, of the podcast, 100th anniversary, that would be a really long time. I really thought about going big, but as I tried to come up with ideas, God kept reminding me to keep the main thing, the main thing, um, because there's still so much work to do. And so I thought that we would mark this milestone of momentum by kicking it into impact gear. How can we continue to make impact? Now, a little bit of my journey is I started back in 2019, and I certainly never imagined I would get to a 100th episode. But what has been most enlightening to me or the biggest lesson that I take away from all of the conversations is that we prosper as our soul prospers. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Pastor Sean join me because of the work that she's doing with Soul Shift. Now, a few years ago, I came into her acquaintance and I've been following her and I sent her a message one day and said, you're my mentor. And she said, okay. So that's how that relationship was solidified. It was quite simple. And it is such an honor to have her here today. Um, And I'm really excited about it. It's so funny because the first time I met with you, I don't think you realized how nervous I was. But today I'm cool as a cucumber (laughs) sitting across the uh, virtual stage from you. And so with all of that, Pastor Sean, welcome to Embrace Your Power and do us a favor, introduce yourself. Well, hi, my name is Sean Strickland. I live in a place called Northwest Arkansas, which is the northwest corner of Arkansas, that if you guys are familiar with Walmart or Tyson Foods, that's the headquarters for that. And so um, I am originally from Arkansas. I am a wife, a mom, a pastor, and a business owner. And um, I've been married for 28 years and I've been in business for what, 12, 13 years now. And I just, my heart's desire is to see the people of God, honor him, to live on purpose and to impact other people really is the summary of all the work I do and why I do it the way that I do it. And I'm really excited to be here today because I am so impressed with a hundred episodes. I am completely impressed. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being here. So I get to, we get to experience you as this incredible woman of God, but tell us about your journey to becoming who you are. Well, that seems like a loaded question. You know, um, Psalms 139 says um, that he wove us in the secret place. So I actually think that we're in the process of remembering who we really are that we are waking up to who we are. I think that life has this way because we have an adversary has this way of stealing and manipulating our identity and making us think that we're things that we're not. And after we're accepted, after we accept Jesus, our personal savior, I believe he immediately goes to work to reminding us of who we always were. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I look back at my life, I'm 50 now, Um, you know, I'll be 51 by the time this airs. And I think you know, that I look at my life and I see a lot of these things I was inherently instinctively doing even as a child. 
Um, you know, but I think the simple version is my grandmother raised me. Um, and, you know, I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer from the second grade because we used to watch Perry Mason together and I wanted to be Perry Mason, a girl, black, a black girl, Perry Mason. Um, I went to law school. I mean, I went to undergrad, got an undergraduate degree in criminal justice. I went to law school and literally the first class in law school, I went, mm, this is not it. And so now the challenge is, is that I've got my identity tied in something that I'm not, I'm not even aligned to do. Right. But it's all I know. And what happens when your identity is tied in something, but it's not the real you, you need a soul shift. So I think I've been soul shifting all this time. I just didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I felt a tremendous amount of both disappointment and a sense of failure to finally get to law school. And for the record, I have a law degree. In fact, today I just got an email where they're inviting us to the 25th anniversary of graduating from law school. So I have a law degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do law related jobs and they just didn't fit. And so I had to go through the process of grieving who I thought I was going to be while at the same time saying yes to a discovery of who I was supposed to be. And I think I've been doing this journey, you know, at least for if that's the 25th anniversary, law school was three years. So at least 27 years, 28 years, I've been doing this. I just didn't know that's what it was called. Mm, That's powerful. So before we get into Soul Shift, I want to unpack some more of your background. And one of the things that's really evident to me is the value of family that you have. So tell me about doing life with Pastor Edwin and being mom to the Strickland crew. Um, You know, I like Pastor Edwin a lot. So it's fun to do life with him. You know, we're really different. Most people don't realize how different we are. Um, we don't have hardly any of the same interests other than we both really love God. We both really value family. That's pretty much it. You know, he's going to watch a movie. I'm going to read a book. Um, you know, we go on vacation. He wants to do every adventure it is. I want to lay on the beach and, and read a book. Um, uh, we are just really different, but I think that. You know, I think even that was a gift because if you look in the Bible, whenever God builds covenant, he builds covenant with strength to cover weakness. And so I think that one of the things that um, makes us so successful, not perfect, but successful, is that we a long time ago stopped trying to make each other the same. And we started to respect the differences. I started to respect that I was big picture and he was going to poke through the details. And he started to respect that I was going to come with some grandiose vision and be ready to pull the trigger tomorrow. Right. And so, you know, we, we actually have a lot of our house consists of a lot of fun and a lot of hard questionings, which for our family, we think is fun. You know, um, we have five kids, three of them are adults. We have a senior and a junior now. So, you know, we're getting ready, preparing to be empty nesters. And so that's a new season. You know, that's a season you're familiar with. Right. And, um, you know, I think that we have tried to raise our kids to honor and obey God and to hear God and, you know, and it's cool watching them grow and become everything that God has called them to be. 
Um, and we're really looking forward to the season when all the kids are gone and we can do all the stuff that we didn't get to do when you get married and have start having kids at 22, 23. Yeah. I love the, the, the way that you guys love one another and it, it feels so genuine, even online and in person, it feels genuine to see you guys together and to hear about how you've navigated through all of the relationship struggles and still found love on the other side, still found uh, respect, happiness and a desire to be with one another. And I know now you guys are also showing up to serve couples and serve relationships once a month uh, with the live stream teachings that you're doing. And so when you reach a point that you're confident to do that, that's incredible to me. Anything you want to share about the live stream series? Um, the first Tuesday of every month on Edwin and Sean Strickland on Facebook, we have a page on Facebook. We're going live and we're talking about relationships. And while it does impact marriages, it's not just marriages. It's things like, you know, how to give and take feedback, which most of us can admit that, you know, the truth of it is nobody really likes correction. You just have to grow into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how to speak your partner's love language, how to speak their apology language, right? How to transition through seasons because those those are skills that are transferable. They then change how you engage with your kids. They change how you engage with your friends. They change how you engage with your parents, your siblings. And so, you know, we just want to see relationships get better because the more our relationships look like what God intended, the more we impact the world in the way God intended. Yeah, the way I love to say that is we have to be willing to grow personally in order to soar relationally. And a lot of times we are so stuck, right, where we don't want to take that personal growth journey. But you're you're spot on that it impacts every single relationship. So you share often this loving story and reflection that you have on your grandmother. And it's something that I can tell you earnestly cherish. Share more about that experience being raised by her and what she kind of taught you, put in you that you still rely on today. Oh, wow. You know, that's my girl. So, I mean, I just don't. I don't know that there's any area of my life that's not impacted by her. Um, my grandmother, you know, really, really loved God. I think she gave me a strong sense of not just going to church, but living in a way that honored God. You know, I remember my grandma would be like, we don't do this in this house because we serve God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even now having this really strong sense, you know, just something as simple as this is that my adult kids may drink, but you don't drink here. Because we didn't drink in my grandma's house. You know what I'm saying? Just this very strong sense of the one thing I can say about my grandmother that I've tried to emulate is that there was no double standard in her living. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, she served in church. My grandmother could sing. She was like over the ushers. Like literally, if there was something to do in church, my grandmother was a part of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But she wasn't a different person at home. And I think if there was, if I'm going to sum up everything about me, it's that it's that you're, if you want to really represent God, you better be the same person everywhere you go. And I think that she taught me that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm always striving for to make sure that, um, you know, I say that in the body of Christ, we got a lot of people with mul- multiple personality disorder, mm-hmm. you know, you blessed and highly favored at church, you cuss at work, uh, you act the fool at the club. 
right? And that God is really looking for us to sink all those personalities and just look like Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I have the advantage of being raised by my grandmother because I think I miss a generation not being raised by my mother. So I was saying to my friends the other day, when I was eight years old, my grandmother had me read Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm probably a lot closer and more entrenched in the right march for justice and civil rights than a lot of my peers Mm -hmm. because those are the kind of conversations my grandmother was having with me when I was a kid. And so I think that, um, and I think I also got the luxury of learning whatever mistakes or whatever she made with my mom and my uncle. My, she also raised my cousin. I think that I got the result of that, right? That she was like, oh, this didn't work with the first round. Let's try it differently over here, right? And so I don't know. My, my entire life has been there, I, I say to my kids, there is never a day you hear me talk to you and you don't actually hear my grandmother talking to you. Oh, wow. That's powerful. She planted a lot in you then. Um, and that, that grooming ground is like fruit of her legacy is, is what you live on. And you're planting that into your children too. And, and I, I will say, like, I wasn't raised by my grandmother's but when I stop and think about the precious moments of growing up, it was the times that I got dropped off over there to spend time with them, right? I think about how they would make my favorite foods because they knew I was coming and they would be excited to play Scrabble and Yahtzee because they knew I was coming. And I, I look back on those moments and they're so cherished. And you know how you're often asked that question, like, who would you want to meet again? And it's like, man, if I could just tug on what they were trying to tell me and instill in me another time, that would be so phenomenal. And so I can relate to it from some sense because I wasn't raised, but I definitely have fond memories. So when you think about the other relationships that feed into who you are, which ones do you feel like help groom and shape you into who we know and love? You're asking good questions today, huh? Um, so um, I would say after that, my dad. Now, I'd have to disclaim that my father was a hustler. Everybody's heard these stories before, right? But I think that the one of the biggest lessons my father taught me was not to make up what people said, but to hear what they actually said. Mm-hmm. And I remember my father telling me one time, um, I never tricked a woman. She tricked herself by what she wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was probably 14 when he told me that. And I think it shaped everything. It's, you know, it, it probably helped be, be the reason that I ask so many questions because I want to be clear about what we're talking about. I want to be clear that we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, um, I think that my dad absolutely shaped me. I think that he had a very, you know, I look back now and I go, you know, it probably was the prophetic. He just didn't use it for God's glory, but his disability to read people, to discern people, to understand atmospheres and stuff like that. And he spent a lot of time teaching me that. And um, and so I appreciate him for that. Let's see. I have a teacher, Miss Burns, who was my 10th grade English teacher. She had also taught my mother and I turned a paper into her one day and she asked me to stay after class. And she said to me, I don't want this mess. I know your family. I know you can write better than this. Mm-hmm. She said, now go write me a real paper and don't bring me this mess again. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think that when you look at, you know, people talk about my ability to tell stories on Facebook, Mm -hmm. I think that she is probably a a big, because I was shocked because up until that point, I was really good at like BSing people and getting a good grade. And she was like, no, ma'am, I know your people. You can go back and try again. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think she helped me develop the voice that I have and being able to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Let's see, obviously, Pastor Edwin, um, I think I'm incredibly blessed to be um, pastored by my husband. We pastor together, but I still say he's my pastor. And I always say to people that even if he was not my husband, he could be my pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made me an absolutely critical thinker of the word to understand how important it is to be a student of the word, not just to be you know, a hype, be hype and shouting and running while your life is still raggedy. And then lastly, Pastor Cynthia Brazelton, who is my spiritual mother, who um, I think really helped me understand what it means to believe God, to like give your whole life to God and let God be God. So I would say those are my four, five. That's my top five right there. Okay. Now, I will tell you, when I first got a glimpse of you, you could definitely feel what I heard you describe as intensity. It is very intense. Um, what I've learned about myself, though, is without that degree of intensity, it would not get my attention. It, I, I would gloss right over it. And so I am challenged to really do some mirror work, to do some me work when I engage with all of your content, a post, a video. It makes me check myself. How would you describe it as an approach for how you do ministry? Oh, I'm absolutely intense. I mean, without a question, I am absolutely intense. But again, I think, you know, think, I think some of that is how God wired me. I think some of that is that in addition to growing up with my grandmother, my grandmother still had her aunts and uncles around. So I was a young kid with old people all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by the time people are 60 and 70, they cut to the chase. You know what I'm saying? They're not sugarcoating, right? So I grew up with people saying, now, why in the world would you do something like that? Mm-hmm. Now, walk me through how that makes sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it definitely shows up in my personality. But I also think that one of the things that really bothers me in the kingdom of God is this um duplicity. That on Sunday morning, we can be like, God is so amazing. He's so wonderful. We can cry. We can fall down. But yet we're so comfortable living a life that doesn't value him, that doesn't have him in first place. Mm -hmm. And, And so part of that, it's like wanting us to wake up to say, how do you say, you know, if, if you you read my content. So, you know, this and I often use the illustration that if I treated Edwin the way most believers treat God. Mm-hmm. Y'all would be in his inbox trying to have an intervention for him. So true. You would just be like, you do not deserve this. You need to get away from this girl. She crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It's that we have not chosen to understand it when it comes to our relationship with God. And so my goal every day is to get somebody to say, I shouldn't engage with God like that. He's too worthy. He's too good. He's too gracious. And I need to be who I'm called to be because there are some people who are waiting on me. Mm -hmm. That's good. So here's what I discovered because 
at first blush, at first glance, the intensity feels harsh. But as I've stuck around and as I've had a chance to engage with you, show up in your inbox with tears in my eyes, I found it was love. I really did. I found it was genuinely love. And I don't know if I would describe it as tough love, but I think that when I look at the definition of what love is from the Bible, I see it in how you show up and how you want to honor and how you want to bring out the best of us. And so I don't know that I would say anything is wrong with it because I've hung out long enough, but I can see some people who are like, oh my God, it's a little bit too much. Well, you know, but that doesn't bother me because I think I think Christianity today has made Jesus so sugary that he can give you diabetes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, he it's so it's like it's like he's all lamb when he's also a lion mm-hmm. and that and that we have misrepresented love that love says I'm gonna rub you on your back even when you about to walk off a cliff. I go, oh, Denise, you want to walk off that cliff? Oh, girl, let me walk with you off this cliff. It's your choice if you want to walk off this cliff. When in reality, love says, Denise, if you jump off that cliff, you're going to hurt yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a consequence for this. And and I I just think we've gotten to a point where um, we want a God who is a genie, not a God we serve. Mm-hmm. That's good. We, we, so, it, it, you know, and, you know, your people don't know me, but hey, y'all. So it's like, um, you, you can check yourself on it. Mm-hmm. If you believe God is the creator and the king, how do you get offended when God doesn't walk out your plan? How did God become obligated to do your plan? The only reason you would think God is obligated to do your plan is that you actually think you're the God of this thing. Mm. That's so good. That is so powerful. So I want to shift and get into soul shift. But but before we do, I want you to tell me what you love most about doing the soul shift work. Oh, transformation, seeing people transform and specifically to be more like Jesus, because I know there's a lot of work out here that's just about being your higher self. Mm-hmm. To me, it's number one higher self is to look like Christ. That's the higher self. So when people get that aha, when s- some of my best moments is I wake up in the middle, I wake up in the morning and in the middle of the night, somebody sent me a message and said, I just want you to know I quit smoking weed last month and I haven't smoked weed in a month or I quit fornicating or I quit messing with this man that's married. Those are the things to me that I'm like, this is why we do this mm-hmm. so that we honor God. That's so powerful. So tell me about Soul Shift. I think I have a good picture of where it originated with your own story. But tell me about this whole work to transform, to prosper souls, to get them in a healthy place and aligned with God. Okay. So the easy version would be that when I was a kid, I used to go to mission with my grandmother. And one of the things I noticed as a kid, which is why I say I think you're always doing your work, even if you don't know you're doing your work. Mm-hmm. I I noticed that these women were so faithful, always at church, always willing to serve, always willing to help in the community. 
yet there were cycles that didn't get broken in their life, which I got the opportunity to hear because I'm a kid who's always around adults, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So growing up, when I would hear people say people don't just, they don't have enough faith, that didn't make sense to me because if you don't have enough faith, why keep going to church on Sunday? Why keep going to mission? Why keep going to Bible study, right? There's clearly a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Over the years at every church I was ever at, I would see that same thing, right? These people are faithful. They love Jesus. Why isn't their life changed? Mm-hmm. And then I found, you know, probably in my early 20s, Third John 2, beloved above all things, I wish you would prosper even as your soul prospers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Mm-hmm. So I started to think, you know, and I think law school helped me even define this even more because law school is about questioning, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, okay, people kept preaching to us third John 2, but who was saying, well, what is your soul? Mm-hmm. And how would you know if your soul is prospering? And and so I became like it, it if I as I look back now, it literally became almost like a dissertation question or a thesis question that I'm filtering everything I know about Christianity and life through that question. And I'm seeing this gap. Fast forward. I, I don't practice law. I have kids, all this different stuff. When Taylor's playing basketball, she's really super good. She was an outstanding athlete. And when she was in the eighth grade. I don't know, that kid was averaging 20 points a game. I mean, she just, she was a beast, but she didn't necessarily have the mental capacity to handle, you know, when other kids didn't like her or when somebody's mom was mad because she got more playing time or even a coach. She didn't have a great coach in the eighth grade. And I started researching, trying to figure out how to help her. I came across sports psychology. When I came across sports psychology, as clear as I knew that I wasn't supposed to practice law, I was like, yeah, this is it. And so I ended up getting a master's in sports psychology. And in my very first class, I went, this was wrong with the church. Like literally I went, this is it. We keep hearing we should change, but nobody is telling us how to change. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to figure this out. So I spent two years getting a master's in psychology. I got a coaching certification and I probably did more professional, I mean, personal development classes than you could shake a stick at tens, thousands of dollars in that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to figure out how you take these scriptures and give people who love Jesus practical application to shift their thinking and If you go to Romans 12 and 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can I renew something when I don't first know what it is? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that just became the work asking questions. So I got the girls in the beauty shop answering questions. I got my kids answering. I literally have anybody who would listen answering questions. I'm taking notes and I begin to notice that there is a science and art of transforming your mind Mm -hmm. and that you will never Never, ever, ever, I don't care who you are in the church or outside the church, live above the condition of your soul Mm -hmm. because your soul is always going to determine the cap of how well you live in anything. Mm -hmm. So then soul shift became the work specifically because it's catered toward people who believe in Christ. It is releasing the lie to embrace the truth. Mm -hmm. What did life teach you that didn't come from God? What did disappointment teach you that didn't come from God? What did you even learn in church? That's not scripture. 
And so it is this work we call it in the community growing and becoming because it's not like school where you just go get an A on the paper and we move on. It's going to be a life of shedding and embracing who you really are. And that's really the crux of how the work came to be. Wow, that's that's powerful. That really is powerful. And I've heard you talk about the thinking feeling cycle before, which I imagine is a part of the program and kind of hinges upon what you just talked about. But paint the picture a little bit more for us around thinking feeling cycle. So Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm -hmm. Well, what science teaches us is that you think a thought when you think a thought, you release a chemical when you that chemical triggers a feeling that feeling triggers another thought that thought triggers another chemical that releases another feeling. So it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, people who are happy, if you could break down their thinking, feeling cycle is triggering that for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you are a person who is a pessimist. Your thinking feeling cycle is creating that for you, right? You show up in a room, you say something's going to go wrong. You show that then you find something wrong because you thought that now you got a feeling and then you look for something else, right? Which is why you and I can be in the same space having a totally different experience, right? We're in the exact same room experiencing the same things, but experiencing them different because of our thinking feeling cycle, right? Thinking feeling cycle is inside. The challenge is it doesn't stay inside. When it comes outside, it begins to show up like your state of being. Everybody knows somebody that you go, every time we talk to her, she's in a bad mood. We also know somebody that we go, every time we talk to her, she's in such a great mood. Mm -hmm. That's thinking, feeling cycle. And everybody has one, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in a state of being for so long, right? Then it becomes your personality. So-and-so always mad. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are shaping how you experience life. Well, if I'm going to change my life, I've got to become aware back to my soul. What's happening in my thinking, feeling cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. What what is that causing my state of being to be like? Mm -hmm. How is that shaping my personality, which is shaping my personal reality? And what I say to people is that it's not sexy work. It's not sexy work. And the thing about it is, is that it's one of those things, especially from, from America. If you think about it in school, in school, we did not learn a lot. We memorized a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the tricks with doing this work is that people think because they have the language, they can do the work. So it's like, oh, I know, think it feeling cycle. I know as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I know even as your soul prospers, and that's what we do, right? But the real test is when you can stop in a moment and go, Am I picking on my husband because I'm just bored? And so I need to create some drama because I'm bored. Mm. Now that that's when we get into real work right here, right? Mm. Um, oh, the reason that I need to point out what's wrong is because I don't feel like I'm in control. Oh, and when I don't feel like I'm in control, then I get super critical. That's the work. Mm -hmm. That's also part of the intensity because we naturally retreat from that work. Mm -hmm. So many times, if you don't have somebody like me who gets in your face mm -hmm. and then forces you to get in your own face, you keep thinking it's everybody else. 
So in your particular case, do you think you making the connection to what you understood from your belief and from the biblical context makes this even more impactful because it feels like the correlation in the power was unleashed because you could see the connection to the ministry aspect of it. And that to me is why it's even more impactful than what they're able to do psychology wise. Oh, because the advantage we have, if you're believers, right? Right. Is that even if you've been diagnosed with depression, you can start to engage in your thinking, feeling cycle and the supernatural power of God can do more than medicine can do. So yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, you know, the thing I say is that, you know, when you do counseling, when you do therapy, when you go to a doctor, they're all practicing, right? They have limits on what they can do. But now when I start believing God wants me to be healed, he doesn't want me to have depression. I'm not stuck to manage this. Now I start tapping into something supernatural to go beyond what, although we appreciate all of those professionals, but I can go beyond their limits because I've tapped into something bigger. One of the absolute best decisions that I made for my life was leaning into the power of relationship. Now, one of the things you probably have heard me say before is that partnership accelerates progress, but strategic relationships will always accelerate success. And I am so grateful that I found the value of relationship. And not only that, I prioritized it. I was very intentional about finding the people who spoke life to me. There are a number of people that I have put onto what I call my personal board of directors. And it's obvious that Pastor Sean is one of them. And the reason why a personal board of directors is such an effective strategy is because they Bring something to your life to help you stretch, become, and grow. Those strategic relationships has changed the game for me. Intentionally finding people whose voice compels me to become has been one of the things that has caused me to accelerate. When you find your person It behooves you to get as close as you can to them. The people who God is raising up to be instrumental in your life will not only impact you, but they will impact how you show up and how you help others. You see, one of the things that I committed to God that I would do was be seen, be heard, and serve in life-changing ways. And my connection with Pastor Sean has accelerated my ability in all three things. I have been encouraged to lift my voice. I have been encouraged to be seen. I have been encouraged to serve because she's on my personal board of directors, inspiring me, compelling me, behooving me to go forth and do what God has called me to do. And I would encourage you wherever you are in your life, 
Identify the people whose voices resonate with you, who call greatness out of you and lean into that relationship. Get as close as you can. Have them become a part of your personal board of directors so that you can accelerate your success. So now that we're back, I want to talk about other ways that I see you showing up because you are quite the prolific writer. Um, I don't know that there's very many people who can grab you by the shoulders and shake you from a post as well as you do it, but you are quite prolific. So how seamless has that been a part of your life? Is that something that just is a gift from a family trait or is it something you groomed and brought out of yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. But I think it's both. So let's back up because you didn't know me then. I never wanted to be on social media. I thought social media was the stupidest thing ever. I'm like, why would you want to talk to a bunch of people you don't know? One day the Lord says to me, I want you to get on Facebook. For what? Why would I want to do that? Mm -hmm. And he says to me, I want to show you how to preach without telling people you preach. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So even to this day, I've been on Facebook, I don't know, 15 years now to this day, every morning I say, what do you want to use my Facebook to say? Mm. So I think some of it is the surrender mm. because I've had moments. I, I, I mean, I think anybody in business knows this, right? Like this moment where you think something is profound and don't nobody engage you with it. They're like totally, baby, you think it was your best work, right? And they like, we're unbothered. And then the Lord will be like, it'll just come in my heart sometimes, like, talk about X. And it'll be like, what do you want me to say? And I'll start listening. To me, they're downloads. Mm -hmm. And then for two weeks, somebody will be like, you made this post. It changed my whole life. And sometimes it'll be over something that I didn't even think was a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that. And I, you know, I don't think a lot of people people who say they're Christian entrepreneurs get this my social media belongs to the Lord mm -hmm. I'm the, everyone I get to throw in some personal things some cute pics some stuff like that right but ultimately that page exists because there are the face the analytics tell us there are 2.3 billion active users on Facebook every month and God knows where they are and he knows how to reach them. Mm -hmm. And he knows how to bump the analytics to get the people who need to see me to see me because there's something he wants to say. And I don't forget that. That's powerful. That's powerful. And I guess what I really appreciate most about you is how you recognize that the work is bigger than you. Like you're not territorial. You're like, if this helps you, then say it. If something can further the mission along, especially for the kingdom of God, then use it. What brought down that wall? Like, is it the soul shift activity that you did personally that took away all this? I'm territorial about this where you just never really that way, but what kind of opens you up to be able to say it's bigger than me? I'm just not territorial. Like, I mean, you know, like my man, but you know, like <laughs> that's my man, you know, but even in that, he can only be my man if he want to be right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just not territorial and I, it doesn't make sense to me. 
Like, I believe being territorial like that is deeply rooted in a poverty mentality. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think it's incredibly arrogant to think you are the only person God gave an answer to. Like, it's almost 8 billion people on the planet, but he only gave it to you. I think that is beyond arrogant. And I'm like, that don't even make sense to me, okay? <laughs> um, And I think it's arrogant to think you're the only one who can connect with people. You know, we laugh about this all the time, especially if you are a parent or a pastor. You'll be trying your best to get your kid or your church to understand something. Random person X walks in and says what you said, and they your your kid is like, I've never heard this before in my life. And you want to punch them in the throat because you like, I literally have been telling you this since you were four, right? <laughs> is it more important that you get credit or that they get it? It's powerful. For me, it's more important that people get it. Because the other thing is that it's really interesting. I love this question because people used to send me stuff that people stole from me. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I don't care. And they were like, what do you mean you don't care? And I would be like, do you see that a hundred people engaged on their post that didn't engage on my post? Did it change their life? Did it cause them to live for Jesus? Because it, and it reminds me of like when the disciples are out healing people and there's somebody else working doing Jesus work and they like you want us to cast fire down on them like what you want us to do Jesus like if they with us they're with us right mm-hmm. and I think the other thing is this very arrogant I thing that I think empowerment workers have is that you're the you're the first one to say it man people been doing personal development work since the Romans okay that we have documents of. And so now I think I'm the only person who has some version of soul shift. Right? Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. Let's help people get better. And even if someone is stealing from you, they can't take, that's the other thing too. I don't believe you have the capacity to take anything that actually belongs to me. I just don't believe it. I'm like, even if you thought, I believe God is this good. I believe God is so good that if somebody came and stole everything related to soul shift and even locked it down so I couldn't use the name, the Holy Spirit would download another name to me, have me to trademark it before I went off and then give me a different way to do it. I just, I, I just don't believe in scarcity, which I think is, you know, and I know that a lot of people do because a lot of people who work with other coaches who work with other coaches come to me and say, hey, I want you to know if I do a group, are you going to kick me out of your group? Well, why would I do that? That doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. So I really don't get it. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's a huge growing point that many need to take. And I will say watching you exhibit it and watching you walk it out has helped me release that too. And really become more available to encourage others in their lane and encourage them to leverage whatever, because I'm beginning to realize how much bigger it is. And I love when you say it's like 6.8 billion people on the world in the, in the world, you can't service them all, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want all them people in your inbox. You do, you want, so you mean tell me you want 2000 people in your inbox? Cause I do not. Okay. But I read, I remember reading this years ago. Um, you know, in America, we got this big thing about plagiarism. Okay. I don't remember which country it is. I, I don't, I don't remember if it's Korea, Japan, or China, China, but it's one of those countries 
where literally, um, you know, the way we got this thing, you better quote everything or you'll get whatever, right? They say the most honorable thing is for someone to quote you and that any to for someone to embed your work in their work. And if it's if you're really a student, you will know it's their work. And I found that fascinating that what we consider to be something that will get you kicked out of school, they consider it an honorable thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. I mean, I just remember. And because I actually the story was so crazy to me, I researched it mm-hmm. and it was just like at this level that like it's oh, and it, it'll probably make sense like this. You know how like when people do like martial arts and they have a master. And so if you were my Kung Fu master, I should move in a way that people go, Denise is her master, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, if somebody is really being your master, if they've, if you've really been a student, the other people who know that work will know. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't, I just want, I really want to see, I want to see everybody who is working for God win. And I have to say it like that because I'm because people say they want to see everybody win. I don't want the racists to win. I don't want the pedophiles to win. If you have to hurt people, I don't want you to win. But if your goal is to help other people win, I want you to win. Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you, I had to chuckle to myself. I had this sense of um, amazement. I was talking with someone who did was doing a discovery call with me and they said, Denise, you know, one of the things I really like is you're like straight with no chaser. And I had to laugh because I used to put that on your post all the time. And I was like, well, I guess she's rubbing off. So I had to laugh as a result of that. Um, Oh, you were, I think you were straight with no chaser, you know, but I think you were always straight with no chaser, but you had to play in a different world than I did. So you had to tone down a little bit of your straightness. Mm-hmm. And now you're over here doing it. You're like, oh, we could get a lot faster if we could just be straight with no chaser. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So when I look at all the ways you pour out, I'm curious, how do you take care of you? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I spend a lot of time with God. So for me, it doesn't feel like pouring. It feels to me like this. We're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I get off the phone and call my best friend, tell him what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's an exchange here. You're giving, I'm giving. We're, and then I'm just sharing with the next person. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in ministry struggle because they're trying to work for God without working with God. Mm-hmm. They don't spend a lot of time in fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, fellowship is the component. It's um, the Bible says to cast your care on him for he cares for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got a cut. If I have a couple weird things going on with my client, somebody struggling, whatever, I don't try to manage them myself. I'm like, Lord, you see your kids. What you want me to do for your kids? What do you want me to say? So for me, I get refueled because I make a purpose of hiding in his presence every single day. Like Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't. I remember when I used to live another way and it seemed stupid to me. I would never go back to living that way again. So I'm just like, 
if you hang out with Jesus, you not people are exhausted because they don't get replenished from the source. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Now I've heard you tell the story a little bit about when you first got into coaching and some of the confused <laughs> opinions that you ran into of people who were in the church trying to understand how you could also show up in this coaching realm, this consulting realm, and you're years beyond that now, but maybe there's somebody who is in ministry, but really feels that they have a call. So what would you say to them? Oh, that's good. Um, Wow. There's so much I would say. Um, I would say that if you really are going to be a trailblazer, stop expecting everybody to understand before you blaze the trail. Which means you got to get healed and you can't need everybody to clap for you or for everybody to get it. But I would think the big thing was, is that for me, when I had to make the choice, am I going to do what makes people comfortable or am I going to obey God? It was then simple for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it was necessarily easy or even at the time, one of the favorite periods of my life. I'm saying that if I had to choose between being misunderstood by you or by t- or to tell God, no, I'm not going to obey him. That is that that's not even a, co- a question for me. So if you believe God calls you to do it, you best get to obeying God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, Denise, I don't think we have enough conversations around that. I think we do a lot of rubbing on the back with that. Right. Like we do, do do you understand how offensive Jesus must have been to these Pharisees? Mm. He had to be absolutely offensive. He's healing on the Sabbath. He's make breaking the word down for the average person, right? Mm-hmm. He's drawing crowds, more crowds than they're getting at church. And they're like, don't do that. And so he's like, oh, okay, y'all don't want me to do it. What if Jesus said, well, the people talking about me. Or the people don't understand me. And I think that if we understood that our yes is making a difference for somebody else, it's a way we honor and glorify God. We would never again have a conversation about whether you could talk me out of obeying God. That's so good. It's so funny because I scrolled back up on my notes and I had written down that the biggest lesson I've learned is my healing was required of me and that I could not excel in God without healing the parts that I left unchecked, unresolved and unwilling. Mm. And I'm still on my journey, but I recognize, I recognize that elevation requires excavation. And so there's work happening and I have been on this journey of having to do a lot of mirror work, a lot of me working. So as I hear you talking just then, it helps me to understand that it's part of the process of blazing a trail. It's part of the process of of showing up to do what he has called me to do in this season. And if I keep on being willing to deal with the unchecked, unresolved and unwilling, that I will prove myself fit for what he's needing me to partner with him to do. And so that's what stuck out to me from what you just said. That's good. Think about it. All that is, is John 15. He says, listen, wherever you're not fruitful, I'm going to prune you. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are fruitful, I'm going to prune you so you can be more fruitful. So mm-hmm. you get used to being pruned. 
<laughs> it, it's just, it's like, get used to being pruned. He's going to say, and this is what I love about God. He's so gracious. I always say this. When we accept him, he never tell us all the stuff that's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. He never tell us all the ways the enemy has manipulated our thinking and the way we're off. He just says, come on home. Come on home and I'm going to start work. Because if he told us, we'd all just run away, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look, um, I, I think I heard Tony Robbins say one time, most people overestimate what they can do in a month, but they underestimate what they can do in a year. Mm-hmm. Go back and start looking at your memories from two years ago mm-hmm. and see your own growth, right? Mm-hmm. You you like, you, and then at some point, you don't need anybody to tell you that you're growing because you like, Oh, this the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, because what used to, it doesn't mean nothing will ever bother you. It means you get to the point that the thing that used to bother you, you're like, I'm not having a conversation about that. That's silly, right? And then it's on to the next thing that you need pruning for. And nobody is exempt from that work. I also think that in the kingdom, people don't understand that God gives exams before he promotes. So the Bible tells us in the talents, he gave one, one talent, one, three talents and one, five talents or two talents and five talents. How did he decide that? He said, according to their ability. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to know according to their ability, he had to have given them an exam to see what their ability was. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't realize, I say all the time, God is so gracious to us that when we flunk the second grade, he don't tell us we flunked. He just sent a new teacher. Mm-hmm. He just sent it. He don't go, Sean, girl, I done told you this 30 times. He go, okay, 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 okay. One more teacher, one more ramp, right? Mm-hmm. And then every time we pass those tests, like we learn to be more generous. We learn to stay in our place even when people don't understand. We learn how to stay out of offense. We learn how to do all of those things, right? He's looking and he's saying, okay, I can trust Denise with more. Let's take her to the next grade and let's see what happens there. And I think that when we don't understand that, we think that a dream with God is just going to be angel dust falling down. You go come out here and put out one Facebook post, have one event, meet with one client and the whole world is going to sing glorious songs over you. And then when it doesn't happen, you're like, what the heck? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't mean enough to me for me to walk through it, why should I ever expect you to take the journey with me? That's huge. That is absolutely huge. Okay, I'm going to close this out and then I'm okay. going to open it up for you to give us some final thoughts. So here's my closeout question. Life wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? Well, what I tell my younger self? I would tell myself, girl, your grandma was right about all the stuff she said. Don't try to find out none of the stuff the hard way. Just do what she said. That's what I would say to myself. Um. I would say to my younger self, it's okay to be this serious about God earlier. That's good. I'd say don't fight it. Because when you get there, you're going to be so glad you came over there, right? That's probably the biggest thing I would say to myself in all honesty. I would say, say yes when you hear it, don't fight it because you'll be so glad you did. Amazing. Love wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? Oh, I would say to my younger self about love, 
that um, without vulnerability, you can never have the best love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I'm working on. (laughs) Without vulnerability, like you can have good love, but you can't have great love without vulnerability, right? Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So I, 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 that's a lesson I wish I had. I wish I had learned that lesson earlier in my marriage. That's true. Happiness wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could? Oh, I've known this lesson since I was a kid. When I was a kid, my uncle used to say to me, I may not be able to choose anything, but I can choose happy. Mm-hmm. So everybody who knows me knows I'm, even though I'm serious, I'm always happy because I choose happy. So I would say to my younger self, choose happy. You don't want to be unhappy, choose happy. That's good. Now, I just want to open it up for you to give us a few final thoughts. What would you share with us? I would share with you one that God loves you more than you can imagine. Even however much you think you imagine, he loves you more than that. Because you got to love a people a whole lot to give your son for them. That is, And I would say that if you, the more you recognize how much God loves you, the less you need to fight him on this journey. Because everything he's ever asking you to do or not to do is for your greater good, even when it doesn't feel like. And the third thing I would tell you is that you should come on and surrender all the way. It's so much better over here. Mm-hmm. Come over here. Don't stay over there. Come over here. It's much better. Mm-hmm. That's it's what liberating. I It's liberating. It's, li- it's liberating. Mm-hmm. That's huge. All right. So tell us about what's next for you and how everyone can get connected with you. Um, so what's next for me, um, that's public is soul shift live, which is going to be March 31st through April 1st. Mm -hmm. And the first day is really just all about digging deep and thinking, feeling cycle, learning how to hack your emotions, learning how to get out of negative states faster and how to get into and stay in positive states longer. Mm -hmm. And then the second day, it's all about soul shifting money. Um, and it's about how to elevate your soul so that you can handle the abundance God wants to give you. That abundance is not just for you. It's for all of the people you're called to help as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So you are going to be registration is going to open for that soon. Um, and you can go to www.shiftwithshawn.com and you can check it out there. You can also follow me on social media. Facebook is really my jam. I try the others, but you know, Facebook's my jam. Mm-hmm. And on every, almost every Monday, I do something called strategies for success at noon. Um, that where I just try to talk to people about how to live out godly principles and create victory. So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for being here with me. Thank you for letting me be on your hunt. Now, I know you can imagine just how excited I am for how this entire episode went. Being able to celebrate and acknowledge this episode with Pastor Sean was definitely a treat for me. And I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were empowered. And even more, I hope that you were challenged to stretch stretch your thinking so that you can shift and begin to walk in all that God wants to do in your life. You see around these parts, 
we believe that God has given us power. He said in his word, he didn't give us fear, but he gave us power. And when we embrace our power, well, I believe we can be, do, have, and achieve whatever we want. Now, I believe you'll be divinely inspired to go after the things that God wants to partner with you to do. But when you do that, you will sense satisfaction and fulfillment in your life and you'll be lit up from the inside out. I want to encourage you to lean into your faith. I want to encourage you to believe bigger, go bigger with God. And when you believe that someone has your answer, when someone's voice is giving you life, you get as close as you can to it and you allow them to speak into you and call forth greatness out of you because there is something God wants to partner with you to do. Again, this is my sincere thanks for allowing me to be a part of your weekly experience. This is my sincere thanks for being a listener of this incredible platform. And this is my commitment to keep going. I look forward to seeing you next time. Well, that's it, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you are truly blessed with life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold. Be relentless in building a life you love without apology. I'm Denise Taylor, and you can always find me in our free Facebook community. It's Embrace Your Power easy to find. Now be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend and make sure you subscribe so that we can stay connected each week. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us power. So be sure to always embrace your power and go.